I actually don't agree with everyone who says that there's low upside. Because the way I look at it, I feel that there's really big upside this week. Because with your free hit, you can get players who are probably not owned by anyone. Do you know what I mean? Barely anyone has Fulham defenders or Brighton defenders. Okay, you've brought in two. But um, they're still really lowly owned, right? So the upside is there, you know, to target this kind of differentials who you wouldn't really want in your team long term. I guess people feel that upside is low simply because the fixtures, nothing here shouts like a guaranteed haul, right? So that's what people are concerned about. But I see your point. Your point is basically you wouldn't own these players in a normal game week. You wouldn't even consider somebody like Tosin or Anderson or, you know, Dunk or Veltman, those kind of people. Yeah, and it's not only that, but it's the fact that no one owns them. Do you get what I mean? So this is the chance for you to get really big differentials. Whereas in a, another game week where there are more options, there tend to be players who everyone owns, which then reduces the EO or increases the EO. So then reduces your so-called potential upside from it. Do you get what It's I mean? a very good way of looking at it. So basically what you're saying is although these fixtures on paper seem bad because they involve bad teams, but in a good game week where you want to use the free hit, you know, quote-unquote good game week where you know, City have a good fixture and United have a good fixture. Most people already own those players, so the upside is less there. Yeah, you're all going to load up on the same players because of the good fixtures, right? The fact that these fixtures are hard to call gives you a chance to go for real differentials. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the FPL Banger podcast. This is the Game Week 29 preview. This is Siva and I'm once again joined by Sam. Sam, how was Game Week 28? I had a pretty good week, I think. Although my transfers, um, one of it turned out well. I brought in Shaw with 9 points, that's great. But I took out Cancelo for Shaw, so still a net loss. And then um, I also brought in Mahrez, took out Rashford. Then South Russia wasn't injured, so he played, didn't return, but Mares didn't play at all. So negative net points from my transfers. That's it. Mares not playing brought in Adams, so with his eight points, so that was okay. All in all, um, it was a good week, but could have been better, I guess, if I did not make any transfers. <laughs> Worked out so well for you. I was really annoyed. I didn't realize that you had, you know, Scottish sensation Che Adams. Coming off your bench. He's been scoring ever since I sold him about four weeks ago. Just explain the Maris move, Sam. Because you told me, you know, on the day of the deadline, you bring in Maris. What what was the thinking behind that? Well, he's actually uh, played the most games um, out of everyone since, uh, what was it? I don't know. Eight weeks or something like that in the past eight game weeks. And he's been really on form. I just felt it was a... It's a risk worth taking, right? I don't think any of us really expected Pep to bench so many key players. So it's a bit, how do I put it, unexpected. But I thought it was a worthy risk, you know, because he's really been on form, but yet slept on by so many people. In fact, since Game Week 22, the three top scorers are Bruno with 61, Gundo and Mares with 59. And it's crazy to think that so, so many of us have just avoided Mares because of minutes and he actually came off half an hour early against Southampton. So I think you were justified in going for him. 
And yeah. I just, I mean, look at the no rest one, of your team. No one wins when you play Pep Roulette, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you say that, right? But people who kept Cancelo and Stones this week were the real winners. Because both you and I had one each, right? So you had Stones in the end. You had Stones, I had Cancelo. And for those who kept them, I mean, so many assets blank this week. But let's just look at your team in general. You had Martinez, Shaw, Cresswell, Stones, 14 points. Will Johnstones ever stop scoring? You got Rudiger. Golden Bruno. Boot by the end of the season. Golden Boot. Johnstones <laughs> has more goals from open play this season than Kevin De Bruyne. Okay, we, we, I think we'll get into City later. So, you know, save the I, comments for later. I just want to say that. You also had Mason Mount, three points. Mares, Gundo. So they blanked, but you had Calvert-Lewin, six. Kane captain, blank. Che Adams off the bench and Rafinha off the bench. You even had Pascal Strug, who, you know, one more blank and he would have come off with a clean sheet. So all in all, 61 points on a minus four, a very healthy green arrow for you. You must be quite pleased with that going into this week for the free hit. Yeah, I mean, of course. Part of my free hit strategy was to not burden myself with whoever is playing on 29, right? So I just brought in players who I felt would do well. Uh, whereas, and took out players who I felt won't do well, whereas others have maybe, you know, kept players because they play in 29, right? Or bring in players specifically for 29, even though they're not per se the best asset to have. So I'm pleased that this past few weeks has been, you know, pretty good for me, I guess, this week in particular. Um, it makes my decision kind of justified in the sense that the free hit has already brought in more points for me even before the game week has started. That's a very good way of looking at it, actually. We always think about how many points you get within the free hit week, and we have questions about that. But the value of the chip, which you're saying, is that it means you didn't have to bring in Brighton defenders, didn't have to touch you know, Villa or Newcastle, you know, you didn't have to go heavy on Spurs. You could get Luke Shaw, you know, for instance. Yeah, exactly. I had an altogether much more difficult week, so I don't really dwell on it. I got 41. It started off so well, okay? So I had, okay, I had Emmy Martinez, as we all did for the first fixture, but then I had double Chelsea clean sheets, Aspie and Rudiger. And I went Kai Havertz captain, which I talked about on the last pod. And watching the game, I really didn't feel like I made the wrong decision. Havertz played number nine, had, you know, big chances, just didn't fall for him on the day, played the full 90 minutes. I still think Harvards is a good pick going forward, right? They've got West Brom, uh, Brighton, Palace in the next three. So I think there are returns to come. Harvards aside, I had Sun, Hamstring. I can't do anything about that. I had Veltman. So Brighton just never want to keep a clean sheet, I think, ever again since <laughs> I brought them in. I had Dan Byrne, also Hamstring. You know, two Hamstring injuries in my team this week. I had Antonio and Kane. And then the, the person who disappointed me the most... Aubameyang. I had stupid Aubameyang, Arsenal captain, on penalties. We got a penalty and he's stuck in traffic and he gets left out of the team. So, 41 for me. It's a, it's a red. It's not a big red because the average is quite low this week. But it is a red. It's a bit of a setback. But I'm hopeful. I still have players for 29. I have about 7. If Sun and Burn recover from the injuries, I'll have 9 without any hits. So I still think I should be able to compete with your free hit team. We'll see. Um, I will get into free hit strategy, you know, in more depth later on. But yeah, you had a good defense in your team, right? Veltman actually is such a good player. It's just Brighton can't finish. He creates so many chances for them, right? They just can't finish. So 
and then you know unlucky here and there so okay we move on Siva we move on so let's get into the agenda for this week right we're going to talk about transfer targets for 29 both for free hitters and non-free hitters since Sam and I were approaching it differently he has the free hit chip he's activating it I don't we're going to talk about common questions you know how many hits are needed in this week uh, whether you should use the chip or not and then we're finally going to look at assets who don't play this week what to do with them whether to hold or to keep specifically we're looking at Man City and Liverpool in particular and other assets to just target beyond Game Week 29 and finally captaincy let's get straight into it so there are only four fixtures this week Fulham play Leeds on Friday night then you have Brighton v Newcastle and West Ham v Arsenal and finally Villa v Spurs so those are the four fixtures this week and then we get a long break all the way up to game week 30. Before we get into the fixture, right? Can yeah. I talk a bit about um, playing the free hit chip? Because I think I saw we have a few questions on people saying, um, I have this many players, should I play the free hit or not? And, and things like that, right? And there has been a lot of talk on um, not playing the free hit because there's low upside this week. I'm sure you, you saw that a lot. Yeah, and I'll just shout out some of those questions, right? Because I think some of those questions are ones that are fairly common that we're wrestling with. So we have uh, FPL Lens uh, asking us, you know, what points would you gain to consider free hit being successful? We have Art FPL ask FPL Art asking, is it stupid to enter blank gaming twenty nine with just six players? I still have free hit intact, but I'm not sure whether you know, like you say, upside is low for that. And we also have Wednesday FPL. Asking if I have six players, can I just, you know, wildcard or just use my free transfers? So Sam, why not you go into detail since you are using the free hit chip? Wait, let me ask you first. What do you think should be the minimum number of players to go in the week? I, I don't yeah. think it is an issue of numbers, right? We always get... Uh, so I see a lot of people saying, I've got 11, so I'm good to go this week. I think it is actually... This is a cliche, right? But it really is quality over quantity. If your 11 are, you know, double Brighton defense... Yeah, Joe Linton. <laughs> Joe jo Linton. No, but even seriously, I see a lot of people with Emmy Martinez, Watkins, and Target, and Kane, Sun, and Bale or Regulon, and then they're saying, yeah, I'm sorted. Three three of your guys are playing against three of your other guys. And Spurs win 2-0, all your Villa assets are blanking, vice versa. So it really has... I think there's, you need a decent spread... And I think you need targeted assets from these fixtures. I think six to eight is a good... I mean, eight would be an optimal number for me. I think that's a minimum. But it really has to do with quality. If you have six players from the same fixture and then one or two elsewhere, I don't think that's a good way to look at it. I think you need free hit then. Yeah. I actually don't agree with everyone who says that there's low upside. Because the way I look at it, I feel that there's really big upside this week. Because with your free hit, you can get players who are probably not owned by anyone. Do you know what I mean? Barely anyone has Fulham defenders or Brighton defenders. Okay, you've brought in two. But um, they're still really low, lowly owned. Right? So the upside is there, you know, to target these kind of differentials who you wouldn't really want in your team long term. I just feel that actually there is really big upside this week and if you get it right you know you're gonna fly up if you get it wrong and every single one of your players get two points right 
I still think that you would be close to anyone who didn't up um didn't use their free hit. You know what I mean? If everyone in your team got two points and you end up with twenty two points, it's prob- the game week average is probably gonna be somewhere around there anyway. I guess people feel that upside is low simply because the fixtures nothing here shouts like a guaranteed haul, right? So that's what people are concerned about. But I see your point. Your point is basically you wouldn't own these players in a normal game week. You wouldn't even consider somebody like Tosin or Anderson or, yeah. you know, Dunk or Veltman, those kind yeah. of people. And it's not only that, but it's the fact that no one owns them. Do you get what I mean? So this is the chance for you to get really big differentials. Whereas in a, another game week where there are more options, there tends to be players who everyone owns, which then reduces the EO or increases the EO. So then reduces your so-called potential upside from it. Do you get what I mean? That's a very good way of looking at it. So basically what you're saying is although these fixtures on paper seem bad because they involve bad teams, but in a good game week where you want to use the free hit, you know, quote-unquote good game week where, you know, City have a good fixture and United have a good fixture, most people already own those players, so the upside is less there. Yeah, you're all going to load up on the same players because of the good fixtures, right? The fact that these fixtures are hard to call gives you a chance to go for real differentials. And gives people like you and me who spend our time watching, you know, Bournemouth versus Watford on a Saturday night, you know, <laughs> a chance last year. to use... That's last year. Oh, sorry. So this year it would be Brighton versus Southampton or... Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So it gives us Newcastle a chance to use Burnley our knowledge. Or yeah. Oh, Newcastle, Burnley. Okay. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> Brighton, yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. Oh, man. So the, the potential for, you know, getting a differential pick and flying up the ranks is really high this week. With low and risk, because you know everyone is gonna have everyone else without the free hit will probably only have seven to eight players. Like you said, some of those players are not quality players, so low risk. I think, in my opinion, if you have the free hit and you have less than seven players playing, you should activate your free hit. Uh, do you have an a points gain in mind that you would say you know you because that's what FPL Lens asked us. You know, what kind of points gain would you say? would make you consider the free hit being successful? I think um, anything below 20 points above the... I wouldn't even say game week average, right? Because it's affected by, you know, date teams and things like that. But just your... What's the word? Effect, your rank, right? People around your rank. Or in your mini league or whatever. So 20 points would be the minimum I would try to aim for. That's a lot. It is a lot, right? But like I said, this week, um, there is high potential for it. And what do you think about FPL Wednesday's question about using the wildcard? Because some people who don't have free hits still have wildcard. In fact, a lot of people still have wildcard left. I personally am a little reluctant to say you should wildcard this week because then you'd be stuck with all these players, you know, long term. Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> some of these players, you wouldn't want them in your team, you know. Moving forward. Yeah. I mean, even the best players from this week. I think we'll talk about some of these assets, but I think beyond 31, you may not want to see them anywhere near your team. Yep. Since we're on the general questions, let's just, you know, cover some more. Uh, FPL Swang asked us, how many hits are acceptable? And what is the best time to wildcard in? Is it either 30 or 31? So let's deal with the hits question because I am going to have to use some hits this week if 
Bamf- not Bamford, if Sun doesn't recover and if Burn doesn't recover, I'm definitely looking at some hits because I'm not going to send out six guys. So I would think, I think squad team dependent, obviously, but I, I think a minus four or a minus eight is acceptable. I get that, you know, same people keep telling me upside is low, but if I go in for a minus eight, for example, I am going to get guys who not only have a good fixture this week, but ideally have a good fixture next week. And we'll talk about them later, but I think somebody like Leeds players, for instance, who play Sheffield United in 30, you are bringing them in. Yes, you are using a hit, but you're bringing them in for someone who doesn't play. By definition, you're already gaining you know two points off the hit. And because they have a good fixture the following week, you've already made that transfer. So I think minus four, minus eight, justifiable. And I wouldn't stress too much about taking hits this week because... No matter what you read on Twitter about, oh, I'm not taking any hits and I'm banking the FT, by the by the time Friday comes around, everybody's taking a minus four. You know, I would say 90% of people will take a minus four. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um, I don't like to look at hits um, as numbers on paper, right? I think we discussed this before. You know, if the two transfers make sense and it takes you a minus four, then just do it, right? Don't think like, oh, I already made, so I'm going to have to take a hit. If the three transfers make sense, then just take the minus eight. Because you look at each transfer individually. Also, hits are just for one week. Everybody likes to calculate it. Like, I see people say, never take hits for defenders. Because uh, the ceiling is usually six. So you're just uh, losing the cliche. And I, I really don't think that's how to look at it. You, If you're taking a hit to get somebody who's going to get you points consistently over the next few weeks, that's okay. If you're taking it for an attacking defender someone like Stuart Dallas who could fluke a goal, all the more reason you can take that hit. Yeah, especially if they have a good fixture, a really good fixture that week. Okay, so I think we sort of covered the general questions. Shall we go into the fixture, Sam? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, so first fixture I want to talk about, Fulham leads, and our first question comes to us from Jan Vess at Cult Geo Football. Let's assume Bamford is fit. If Bamford is fit, is it worth taking a minus four to bring him for DCL? First question about hits. And is it also a logical move to Captain Bamford or instead Captain Rafinha? Now, starting off, Leeds haven't scored for three games, but I watched the Chelsea game and I was really impressed with Leeds. I think they were very unlucky not to score. Great chances. It may not show up on XG. Like if you look at Understat, you'll see they had less XG than Chelsea. But I think their chances are really good. Mendy made a terrific save from Rafinha. Tyler Roberts hit the post, or no, hit the bar. I thought Leeds were good, and I think they were a little unfortunate not to score. I think they can get something against Fulham. And Fulham, although they've been good defensively recently, the way Leeds play, I think you know they will go out there and try to get a goal, and I think they can. You own Rafinha. What do you say to this question, getting Bamford in, and who, which one of them would you captain? So I'm kind of torn, right? The, when, if Bamford is playing then I will feel a lot better. If he doesn't, my initial thought the moment he got injured is that's it for Leeds assets, right? Because Bamford is, you know, he's pretty much the only guy scoring goals for them. Without him, who's going to score? But then they went on to play really well, you know, like you mentioned, the chances came, the big chances came after Bamford was taken off, right? Yeah. So I'm still kind of torn on it. I guess if Bamford is fit, it's a decent chance, you know. Um, Fulham, though, is a really solid defense, right? They didn't play well against City, but before that, they have been extremely solid. 
I think, uh, top three in the past five games for um, XGC, right? Uh, expected goals considered. So, th- this game is a tough game to call. For me, if Bamford plays, I will lean towards Leeds. And if Bamford is benched, I'm going to go with my gut that Fulham, you know, I'm going to recover from City's um, trashing. And they're going to be really solid defensively. Leeds have been unlucky a bit but at the same time three weeks they haven't scored right yeah so there's there's a point where it stops becoming just luck and it's you know something um, that's happening with the team we did talk about earlier on about um, Leeds moving into the second part of the season their players are getting more tired and that whole thing right so if Bamford's not playing, I will lean towards Fulham's defenders at least. That's interesting. Maybe I'm. It's it's funny because you own Rafinha. I don't own any Leeds players because I took them out uh, in twenty seven because I thought West Ham and Chelsea were tough fixtures. But... Rafinha has been really frustrating because I think in the past three weeks he's created the most chances in the league or something like that, but Leeds did not even score a goal in the past three weeks. Yeah, he's actually second highest for expected assists behind KDB for the last uh, two weeks. And he's also joined highest for shots in the box along with Mane and Harvard for the last two weeks. Mm. I think Rafinha's been a little unlucky. I wouldn't say he's been wasteful. It's just, I mean, you know, these things just don't happen over some short spells. And, you know, respect to Leeds, I think West Ham, Chelsea, uh, Villa maybe not so much. But West Ham and Chelsea were always going to be tough opponents, you know, we... Uh, joke about this but West Ham are challenging you know for a top four position so I don't think it's unfair for him to blank there they were quite close there they had that disallowed goal you know disallowed by inches he has this amazing chance against Chelsea which Mendy saves I wouldn't sleep on Leeds I think Chelsea is a better defense than Fulham as good as Fulham have been in defense I still think Leeds can score I have to say though in that game Chelsea were not playing so well because I think it's because Tuchel experimented with a different formation. Um, he moved into a back four instead of a back um, five, which then okay. affected their defense. In my opinion, I know based on what I saw in that game, maybe a Chelsea fan will be able to give better insight. But just yeah. as on the surface, right? So that's what I felt from it. So I would not necessarily put that as Chelsea's best defensive performance. They were really leaky. Fulham, on the other hand, of they played badly against City, but they have the chance. My argument for Fulham is that the upside is really big because a lot of people have Leeds assets. Yeah, ownership-wise, uh, definitely Leeds are way more owned. I think Rafinha has 13% ownership, and that's not effective ownership. That's just overall, so his effective ownership might be even higher. Um, yeah, but I don't like to look at ownership, right? And you know that. Yes, so, I'm surprised you brought it up. <laughs> but just just looking at the fixtures, right? I think Fulham has a decent chance. I would even call it a 50-50, you know, between both of them. On one hand, you got a team who has been pretty solid defensively. On one hand, on the other hand, you have a team who have been posting good underlying numbers but not delivering. So is this the week they're gonna start delivering on those XGs and the XA? Or is it gonna be another blank? Just looking at it, I feel the upside is a lot higher to bank on the Fulham defender. Very, very interesting, Sam. I, I, I don't know. I guess we're just going to have to disagree on this. I think 
the upside, even if Bamford is out, I would think that actually just increases the upside for Rafinha because like you say, he was more attacking once Bamford went off. And I think if he is out, if Bamford is out, I think Rafinha has to carry the attack more. That means I would like to think he'll be more direct. I was watching the City-Fulham game and I noticed a lot of chances being created on the right flank where Cancelo was playing. In fact, that's where Ferran Torres had a really good chance. And uh, our friend FPL Lens had a thread last week about uh, where Fulham concede chances and they seem to concede a lot on the flank where Rafinha plays. I think there will be goals in this game. I don't think it will be a tight one, although I do agree with you. The upside is there. If Fulham keep a clean sheet, then, you know, there's a much bigger upside because the ownership is lower, but I think there will be goals. And I I would strongly consider, I am considering Rafinha captain this week. That's just where I'm coming at. Mm. Okay. I mean, just putting it up on Fulham, right? They have um, two defenders, um, the two centre-backs. Tosin, I'm not going to even try <laughs> to, to pronounce his last name. Adorobayo. Adorobayo? Okay. Tosin, Adorobayo and Anderson. Right, jo- Joachim Anderson. Is it Joachim? Joachim. It's not. He's not. He's not Portuguese, mate. He's Swedish. Okay, so um, both of them actually carry a pretty big goal threat, and Leeds have actually been quite leaky on set pieces. My argument is that um, even if the clean sheet doesn't happen, they have a, a pretty decent chance of scoring. There is a chance of them scoring, if they get a clean sheet and score then, you know, that's going to be a big haul. And that's just the way I'm leaning towards all my defenders. So in this week, just a heads up, I guess, in my free hit, all the defenders I'm going to pick ideally have high um, attacking output chances. So because um, the only way for a defender to really haul big is to get both, right? A clean sheet and an attacking return. So Dallas does take that box. And for Fulham, you know, um, Tosin or Anderson. I love that. I mean, I really like that shout because I I have uh, noticed, I mean, everybody who's been watching Leeds noticed that they can't defend set pieces. I, I You may remember, I told you a few weeks ago that Vestergaard was tall and he, <laughs> yeah. he, he did have good chances against Leeds. I think that's a very good shout. Joachim Anderson, nobody owns Joachim Anderson. I, I definitely don't own Tosin either. So I like that shout for differential yeah. defenders. Anderson, Anderson actually, um, I, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but he does have high um, XG for a defender, high number of shots, you know, from set pieces. So I do think he's a good shot. Interesting. And I, I mean, just looking at transfers in this week, right? Dallas, obviously top of the list. You have to go way, way down to find... Anderson's not even the first page of most transferred in. <laughs> Uh, so oh, he's on the second page yeah exactly uh, so ahead of David Luiz so I think that tells you just how much people are not going to look at him this week so I like that shout I'll just talk about someone who I do own Josh Maja who I brought in on the wild card and that was me similar to you trying to go for a differential pick I knew this game week was coming and I thought I'll have a Fulham striker who can score who nobody has he gets benched against Man City which really annoyed me uh, he's been starting every game before that since he arrived. Um, I think it was a tactical thing. I think because they started with Loftus-Cheek and I think that it was more tactical. Parker talked about going man-to-man trying to mark City. So I would like to think that Maja starts, but I can't be sure. And 
if I was uh, doing a free hit team, I don't mind taking a chance on Maja. But if you were making transfers, I think consider that risk because no guarantees that he starts this week. We just don't know, you know, unless Parker says something in the presser. I think I have him. I'll definitely play him. But I wouldn't be so confident about bringing him in. Yeah, agreed. From Fulham, I think there's only two um, possible attackers you should look at, right? One is Ma- Maja. The other one is Lukman, Ademola Lukman, who has been playing well when you watch them play. But in terms of FPL returns, it's been few and far apart, right? One goal and then it's like a five-week blank. Then a, a game, a double-digit haul and then another five-week blank. So I think, I mean, if you're really looking for differential, he might come good. But personally, I feel there are other better midfield options. So I'm not looking at any Fulham you know, attackers. Just looking purely at the defense. Let's just wrap up though, Sam. Coming back to Janvers' initial question. Assuming Bamford is fit, and since you're on free hit, I think you're in a very good place to answer this question. Would you have Bamford and Rafinha in your final team? If they're fit, I would have one. The way Leeds have been playing, you know, um, don't look at the XG, but look at what you see on paper, right? Zero goals in the past three games. I don't think that warrants having double um, Fulham def- attackers. Double leads. Yeah, sorry. Double leads. And um, if I had to pick one, I would definitely go Rafinha. Yeah, same. I think I would agree with that. If I had to only go one, it would be Rafinha. I don't think you need both. And I think you also have to consider whether you want both long term. Yeah, um, their fixtures really turn in the next few weeks. Yeah, but they do have Sheffield United next week. So if that's something you're considering, right, and I am strongly considering that, that is a decent argument for going for both. I mean, you're looking more towards next because you show Sheffield United against Leicester. They just fell apart. And uh, having sacked their manager, appointed somebody, you know, just whoever they could find randomly in the training ground, you know, down to so, 24, okay, you're, you're the manager now. And for me, it sounds a lot like when Huddersfield got rid of Wagner, a sort of, you know, we're going down anyway, don't have anything else to do, let's just, you know, swap things around. And I think they're just going to start losing games now. There's really no point. What's the motivation? Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, let's. But beyond on. that fixture, though, it gets tough for them. So. Oh yes, so beef. I mean, just briefly, right? Leeds fixtures beyond that are City in thirty-two, uh, thirty-one. Sorry, Liverpool and United. So that's a three tough fixtures. Although, I mean, you know, Leeds can score against anyone. So I mean, but by definitely for the City game, you don't want to be playing double Leeds attack. So if you're gonna have Bamford and Rafinha. Uh, look at your team. Use the transfer planner on Live FPL Net, and just see how would you work that team. Can you bench them in thirty one? That sort of thing, or can you get rid of one? Because definitely, you don't want to have double leads attack against you know the harder fixtures. Yep, agreed. All right, let's uh, move on to West Ham v Arsenal, and I have a question here from Football Lovers. Currently, have nine or eight, and have been thinking about a minus four for a West Ham player. Antonio Lingard, Suchek, Bowen, or Kufal for long term. Uh, which one should I go for and should I captain them? Now, this is a common question, right? Everybody who you want to bring in this week, do you consider capturing them? Now, why does no one mention Cresswell when it comes to Fulham, uh, to West Ham players? You are the only person who seems to actually own Cresswell who has owned him from the start and has held on, Sam. Nobody seems to. Uh, yeah, it, but I don't get it, though. He's the highest scoring defender in the game. You would think by now people will start to get on like, okay, this Cresswell guy seems pretty good. I might get him in. But you see, even in his list, he didn't even mention Cresswell. I will tell I you, the it. moment 
uh, Cresswell got the assist that day and I posted, you know, I think, it, why are we wasting our time? Let's just bring in Cresswell. The first reply I get is, you know, oh, I don't really like their fixtures. I've been hearing that all season and it's played on me because you open the fixture ticker now and you see, oh, West Ham v Arsenal. Do you see a clean sheet? I don't think so. Okay, why do I want to spend, you know, 5.9 on a West Ham defender? I'll think about it next week. And basically, finally, the time when you get Cresswell in, it'll be next season. That's that's just how people <laughs> feel about it. Yeah. Though I have to say, he has benefited from having um people in his team who can really hit the ball. First it yeah. was Suchek, now it's Dawson. Yeah, Dawson and Suchek. I mean, he's got good targets. And I, I went back and watched some of Cresswell's free kicks. He actually has, you know, he's got a decent track record. He has scored a couple of direct free kicks. He's not... Uh, this isn't just something that's happened overnight. And uh, I'm definitely uh, strongly considering Cresswell. I once again say considering, you know, because it's uh, tough to make him a priority this week. But he is an option. And since you're talking about goal-scoring defenders, right, he definitely would be up there. Arsenal, set-pieces. We've always been a bit iffy on set-pieces. Kane hit the post this week from a free kick. And... Uh, I think that's something to consider. But looking at all the options, right? Let's just run through some quick stats. You got Lingard, the fourth highest scoring midfielder since he joined West Ham, with uh between game week twenty two and game week twenty seven, with forty four points. He didn't play in twenty eight because he was uh couldn't play against United, and um, they really missed him in that game. They pretty much couldn't create anything without Lingard's um presence. So he's really integral to the way West Ham plays now. In such a short time, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and his arrival has basically made Suchek almost redundant as an FPL asset because since he's arrived, he's had three big chances since Game Week 22, 2.27 XG versus Suchek, who's had 0.43 XG, no big chances. It's just Suchek has become proper defensive midfielder since Lingard has arrived. So I don't think Suchek is even... I mean... I wouldn't be bringing him in this weekend. I think he's sort of done, you know, as an FPL asset. If you get a return from him, you're quite fortunate. Mikel Antonio, I'm a bit worried about Sam because he's only had one shot in the last two weeks, scored against City, and then after that, he's gone a bit quiet. Yeah. Do you... There is you... um, a stat that I read that Antonio actually has not had a double-digit haul. You know, this entire season, he hasn't had a double-digit haul. You're right. In fact, his only so-called double-digit haul was across two games in Game Week 19 with 9-9. Nine nine. Yeah, that's cheating. There's two fixtures. So, I mean, for the long term, I think Antonio is still good, right? He still has really good XG. He's the main goal scorer of the team. And West Ham is a team in form. They will be pushing for a top-four finish. So, I think they will... He's a good asset to own long term. If you're on a free hit like me and you just want to maximize one week... Maybe Antonio is not the asset to have. It's kind of like consistent over many weeks, but not explosive. So, what's the word? High floor, low ceiling. Come back to the question though, Sam. If you had to take a minus four for one West Ham player this week, who would it be and would you captain them? It's a tough one. Okay. So, this week they play Arsenal, right? I Anything is possible, but I would not put money on... West Ham keeping a clean sheet. Arsenal has actually been really on form attacking-wise. I would not necessarily captain a defender, right? I probably will still have Creswell in my team for his attacking returns. 
and the fact that you know he's such a bonus point magnet too so the chance of him hauling is still there but I would not captain a defender out of all these options I think Lingard he's on form he's cheap he has the the underlying stats to back up his points so I think Lingard is the best option to have from West Ham now he's still a differential in terms of total ownership I'm not sure about effective ownership especially going to this week where I imagine quite a lot of managers would be trying to get Lingard in yeah but, but yeah. I, I mean I like the link I have Lingard right so I brought him in uh, for the Leeds game and I benched him this week I like Lingard he's the second most transferred in player uh, this week I think after Gareth Bale uh, as I'm looking at it now I think having uh, Jesse Lingard for me is a no-brainer because uh, like you say, he's been on form since he arrived in West Ham. And I think Antonio being there, Antonio tends to occupy, you know, one to two defenders because he's such a physical threat. And that gives Lingard space to actually uh, exploit and get chances. He may be on penalties. I don't know if he keeps them because Moyes no, was very unclear so. about it. I think he himself said that he won't be on pants anymore. He's he probably going to go back to Rice, I think. He said it jokingly on Instagram. But Moyes, when he was asked about it, said, I've got a few options and I don't plan to tell people. So... I didn't think Rice's penalty was very convincing either. So, I mean, it's open for debate. But that's not why you should get him, right? I think you should get him just because he's an attacking midfielder, box-to-box, uh, a good threat. They've got good fixtures going forward, and he's cheap. Yep. Agreed. So, Lingard, yeah, is the best option from West Ham, in my opinion. I wouldn't go for um, Bowen. I rate him as a player. I do. But this season, he's not really been performing, and he just doesn't bring in the FPL points that you want. Yeah, and he's not nailed. He's been in and out of the team since Lingard yeah. arrived. Kufal, I think if you're going to go for Kufal, you might as well go for Cresswell. Unless you can't afford it, I guess. But is money really an issue this season? If you keep Salah, then money's an issue, right? <laughs> <laughs> we Me managed... and you, we've been rolling in cash. I haven't even looked at players' value when I, when I make my transfers now. We managed to make it about 36 minutes before we mentioned Salah. Okay, very good. Very disciplined. It's a new record, I think. Yeah, I'm but not yeah. smug. <laughs> I but don't think Kufa has been convincing um, in the past few games, attacking-wise, right? Been a little unlucky. He's getting chances, he's just not putting them away, but he can't compete with Cresswell. Set-pieces just make such a big difference. Yeah, especially for West Ham, in particular, who just seems to be scoring a set-piece goal every single game. Yeah, and I think against Arsenal, I mean, you can take that chance because... Leno's movement at free kicks, especially against uh, this week against Kane, he basically, you go back and watch the highlights, but Kane has a late free kick. It's way on the edge of the box. There's really only one place Kane could put it, which was Leno's side. And Leno's moving, moving, moving to the side where the wall is. We've got a man lying down on the floor. I don't know why he's moving so much to cover. And predictably, Kane takes the shot to Leno's side and it almost goes in. And Leno's trying to run back. So I just think Arsenal... You know, flaky at set pieces. I definitely think there's no guaranteed returns. But if you do get a return, I wouldn't be surprised to see it come from Cresswell. And um, shout out to Dawson too, actually. Not mentioned here. And I don't think many people put them on their watch list. But Dawson has been getting a chance on goal, thanks to Cresswell. But almost every single game, right? Some games he even has, you know, two, three chances. So, I think Dawson is a good shot too if you can't afford Cresswell. Yeah, a little unlucky this week with the one goal, but I think he's been great. Yeah. 
So that's the that's why Sam wrapped up, I think. Yeah, let's come to Arsenal. We have a question here from FPL Pot Noodle, another good friend. And uh, his question, thoughts on Oba and whether he's a safe buy or is it better to go for Bale or Lingard? Now, let's just talk about Oba. The, the biggest issue right now is we just don't know what is the clear situation here. A lot of comments were said before and after the game. As far as we can understand, he arrived late and then rumours that he left early. Arsenal play midweek uh, Europa against Olympiacos. So I would just see whether Oba is firstly in the squad and whether he gets minutes. And if Arteta says anything about it. Now, if Oba doesn't play at all, I would be a little concerned and I would probably hold off from bringing him in. If he starts, you've got nothing to worry about. So I think for, that's just how you've got to look at it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think if, you know, Arteta comes out and says that, you know, he will start, you know, everything settled and all that, Oba is a really good option to have. He's been really on form. Um. Yeah, Arsenal as a whole has been quite on form attacking-wise and Oba is a big part of that. So, yeah, if he's guaranteed a start, Oba is a great buy. If he's not, um, or there's some kind of uncertainty, then I would not um, put that money into Oba. So then, my next question, Sam, because it's really annoying because I own Oba, so leave me aside, but you don't have any Arsenal assets and you're on free hit. But just thinking about people who have transfers this week and want to get an Arsenal attacker... Arsenal have good fixtures uh, towards the end of the season, especially they have a great run. And if you are not sure that Oba is going to play, would you consider Laka, who has been in and out of the team, or would you go cheaper? We don't know Saka also could be injured. Assuming he's out too, do you look at Odegaard, who has scored two goals in his last two games? Yeah. Actually, if Oba is you know guaranteed not to play, I think Laka is a pretty decent option to have. He's been... I mean, he's not... How do I put it? Nicely. <laughs> he's not been playing great. But yet, you know, he still chips in with the FPL points. But I think the real value or upside is there in the midfielders. Odegaard has um, started playing really well, actually, these past two games. Yes, he has two goals. But aside from those goals, he's been creating a lot of chances, a lot of shots on target in this past um, two games. Now, two games could just be a flash in the pan, right? And he could you know, start playing badly from the start. But seems like a good shout for the for the blank game week twenty nine. I really like ESR too. His name is too long, so Emil Smith Rowe. He's been good. He's been good. He hit the post against Spurs. He's also one of the main attacking channels. You know that front tree of Saka, Link Odegaard and ESR, they've been doing really well, right? creating chances just I like all three of them Sakado is a doubt he seems injured right now may come back may not we don't know for sure yet but I like this too Odegaard and ESR yeah I think if you have nothing else to do with your transfers this week I would consider Odegaard because Arteta how do I put this politely he likes the flash players he likes you know having Odegaard and Pepe and William and Odegaard especially seems to have adapted really well. I liked how he took his goal. I think low risk, not too expensive. Laka is a bit harder to commit because he is nine, you know, and that is a fairly, uh, even if we all have cash, that's a bit more of an investment. Uh, And also we've got more options in Strikeforce, which we'll come to. But Odegaard, I think, is a low front. What about Kieran Tierney? Because there's a lot of disagreement on this on FPL Twitter and Reddit. 
I see people saying Kieran Tierney is an easy pick. He had an assist this week. I also see people saying, I'm never touching Kieran Tierney. Who wants Arsenal defenders? My take on this is Arsenal's underlying defense statistics are good, but we will always have the ability to concede a stupid goal. I would compare us to the United defense, right? You've got Maguire and we've got... United Sha- kept four clean sheets in a row, by the way. Yes, congratulations. But I I don't think that changes the point, right? So underlying statistics, United and Arsenal have both strong defenses. But you've got Maguire, we've got Shaka, you know, and we've all got mistakes in us. So occasionally there will be issues. I don't think Kiritini is a bad pick. Um, I'm a little concerned about rotation with Europa and he's just a bit injury prone. But I, I don't think he's a bad pick. Yeah, I, weirdly enough, I would rather have Cresswell over Tierney. Similar price points, but somehow I feel that Cresswell has a higher chance of a haul than Tierney. Hmm. Tierney is not a bad shot, right? He's a really attacking defender. Like you said, Arsenal, the underlying stats is there, so they have the potential to keep a clean sheet. But the reality is they haven't, right? I think in the past, how long has it been since they kept a clean sheet? This just can't be that long. Let me have a look. It is long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is quite long. Uh, yeah, so they, they can't. They've shown that they kind of can't. Wow. Game week 21 against United. Right? Oh, that's a very Whereas West Ham do have the ability to keep clean sheets here and there. So weirdly enough, I actually would think West Ham has a higher chance of keeping a clean sheet against Arsenal than the other way around. Also, just the way we set up, right? We're not by nature a defensive team. You've got Moyes who knows how to do that, you know, set up with two banks of four, uh, try and hold out for a result. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what we want from our defenders this week is clean sheet plus attacking return, right? That's the ideal. They get a big haul. And it seems this week I would put my money on Tierney getting that double digit haul rather than, I mean, on <laughs> Cresswell rather than Tierney. So, Fair enough. So yeah, okay. that's where I stand on this. All right, let's uh, move to... I'm, I'm in agreement with you, so let's move to the last fixture. Brighton v Newcastle. And we have a question here from Alex Iwobi, Sam. I didn't know Alex Iwobi was listening to the pod. <laughs> uh, so Alex Iwobi asks, is Trossard a good option for the blank game week or transfer Lingard in instead? Okay, so now Trossard has become this overnight, you know, huge... It's like the start of the season, you know. He had that short run yeah. where he hit, hit the bar like three times in one game and everybody was like, oh, I need Trossard, man. Against United, and, I remember that. Yeah, and you know, that was a crazy game, right? The 3-2 with Bruno's pen after the final whistle. But yeah, I digress. So, uh, so happy to see Bruno blank, by the way, Sam. No sympathy for you whatsoever this week. Uh, he came close, though, this week. Yeah, he, he came I'm, close. Salah it's bittersweet for me because like I did not captain him, so I kind of wanted him to blank. But at the same time, my love of Bruno kind of transcends FPL. So I... And he, he did come close, so I, I would still hold Bruno. <laughs> We're not even supposed to talk about this, but yeah, for anyone thinking of selling Bruno, I still will hold. We do He's have a section well. about non-29 assets which we'll come to, but... Okay, uh, I jumped the gun. Sorry. That's all right. Okay, so coming back to Brighton, Newcastle, right? So Trossard has had three double-digit holes this season, okay? Plus, the t- you know, including the 10 points uh, in gaming 28. Brighton have bad fixtures after this. They play United, Everton, and Chelsea after this week. But then they play Sheffield and Leeds in 33 and 34. So I'm actually seeing people talk about captaining Trossard this week as a differential. Okay. And it is a my... differential. I'll give you that. <laughs> I I'm very wary of rubbishing differential captains because I think we've seen from the last few weeks, 
everybody piles in on uh, there's an obvious captain this week and we are all going to captain him and then obvious captain blanks uh, so many people said Salah makes perfect sense Wolves blank you know Bruno make perfect sense against whoever and then, so I'm I think this season especially I, I'm very wary of rubbishing differential captains so I'm not going to say Trossard's going to be a bad option but I have some issues with Trossard as a pick and I'll explain them the first issue is Trossard doesn't have set pieces Gross takes almost all of Brighton's uh, corners and free kicks and in fact he got the assist this week from a corner so that's my first issue with Trossard I think there was only one shot in the box this week which is the one he scored from so that you know always puts me off he plays for Brighton Brighton underperformed their xg like you wouldn't believe they're also underperforming the xgc but that's another matter so they just create a lot of chances they all can't finish to save their lives uh, I know this because I had Dan Burn. He passes to Gross and Gross misses a chance. So I am wary of getting Trossard unless you're on a free hit. I don't think he's worth a long-term investment unless you have such a good team that you're going to bench him the following week. I wouldn't be rushing to get him in. And I don't think Newcastle is that easy a fixture. I think these are two teams fighting for their lives, right? And this has, to me, it has nil-nil or 1-1 one, one written all over it. Nil-nil. But yeah, I, I, I agree with your points. So I would say that I do see why people are looking at Trossard because he is surprisingly pretty explosive when he does get returns, right? So this week he had a goal, but came back with all three bonus points, so 10 points. His last attacking haul was six points and assists, okay. Before that, he had another goal against Spurs and two bonus points. So that's another 10 points for him. His previous attacking haul was two assists, so that's 11 points. So you get the feeling that he's explosive, but at the same time, low floor because in between those hauls, he goes like five, six weeks just blanking, right? I would be okay with Trossard on a free hit or a one-week punt. Long-term, though, I don't think he's the asset to have. Um, for the same reasons you say, right? Brighton, when it comes to open play goals, or open play chances, right? They just can't seem to put that in. Now, when it comes to set pieces, that's a different story. Dunk has already scored four. And weirdly enough, his um, Brighton's Second highest scorer or third highest scorer, something like that. He's got more goals than Trossard, so. Yeah, he is the second highest scorer after Mopé at seven. Okay, so yeah, dunk, good. Gross takes all the free kicks and all the corners, so he has a good chance to. And when it comes to open play, he does get chances too, as he did this week. Missed, um, I wouldn't say a really big open chance, but he missed a, a pretty good chance. I am leaning towards Gross over Trossard. But I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think Trossard is a bad pick if you're going for a you know one big thing. Yeah, I think permanent transfer, I'd be very reluctant. Even, even Pascal Gross, man. I mean, on a free hit, fine. Um, as a long-term transfer... Well, I mean, long-term, you don't want any Brighton attackers, right? No, I the only Brighton player... I mean, for me, importance of assets to own this week from Brighton... And I feel really stupid because I was trying to be clever on the wildcard and get, you know, expensive midfielders. And that's why I couldn't get Dunk. I ended up with Veltman and Burn. But if I had to do it all over again, it has to be. I knew the statistic going in, but Dunk has the second highest XG of any defender 
since the season started. Dallas is first. So and Dallas put, plays as an AM. Uh, it's not fair. Yeah, I mean, not... yeah, but Dunk purely is actually is just from corners. And the occasional free kicks. Kick. Yeah, so it's purely from set pieces. Yeah, no cheating. Dunk is a proper CB who actually gets uh, goals. And I mean, he's the captain. He's nailed. He's 4.9. If you really had to own one Brighton asset and carry them, you know, I think Dunk is a good one to have. I don't think Veltman is a bad pick. He makes a lot of key passes. The issue is that this team, for the life of me, cannot finish any of their chances. If they had a proper finisher, they would win the league. <laughs> or at least come in, you know, second or third. Because, you know, in terms of XG, they're up there, right? I think third highest in the past, you know, in the past five weeks, they have the third highest XG out of everyone. Yeah, the XG champions. Yeah, XG champions, but just can't finish. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Dunk for me, if you're going to bring in someone this week, it's Dunk. If you have Veltman already, you know, just hold. I don't think there's some massive upside to be chasing. But on a free hit, Sam, you're going to have Dunk, right? Yeah, I probably will go Dunk. Now, I did look take a close look at Veltman because he is posting really good um, underlying stats. But then I noticed that all his underlying stats came in the form of XA, not XG. XA requires someone to finish... To actually score the chances you create. Um, so I decided now I'm going to go for Dunk. So yeah. That's that's a very good point. I like that. Uh, yes, XA requires good finishes. Okay, very good caveat. Newcastle. Are we, nobody, I have a very bad feeling about Newcastle, right? Because this has a feeling of uh, last week when City had the double, Southampton had the double. We spent, I think, all our time talking about City assets and nobody really considered anybody from Southampton. And then you know, Adam scores and Ward Prowse has a double-digit haul. Yeah. Are Newcastle the sleepers? Are they the ones going under the radar? Would you have a Newcastle asset? You're on free hit. Surely you're going to consider Joe Linton and <laughs> Dwight Gale and well, Joe Willock. I, I do think that Newcastle have a decent chance against Brighton, right? Um, it's going to be totally against the run of play, some dodgy corner in the 94th minute. But there is a chance. Um, of course, if you play percentages, if you play odds, it's going to be an overwhelming victory for Brighton. Clean sheet for them. On paper, it seems like Brighton has the highest chance of a clean sheet out of all fixtures. I still don't see... Um, how do I put it? With our well-documented... <laughs> um, of Brighton's inability to score, I think a Newcastle defender is a decent option this week and a really big differential, good upside. Especially if you pick someone like Jamal Lasals, who actually has returned in the past three weeks in a row. How is this happening, right? Because Yeah, who knows? But more than that, I actually, as an outside shot, think the Newcastle keeper... Dubravka might be a good shout to have. Okay, Seeing how Brighton to... can't finish, right? He could rack up saves. He could end up as a 0-0 and I think he'll be out there in terms of bonus and saves. So just as an outside shot, I, I probably won't bring him in myself. But <laughs> for anyone considering a Newcastle defender, I think Dubravka, you know, is, is a decent... Uh, <laughs> Person to have in consideration. You can barely finish that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Jamal Lasselt, I like that shot. He's 4.2. Uh, 
Uh, I'm always thinking if you're going to get some of these players who are really bad, especially on permanent transfers, they should be the cheapest options. Uh, Jamal Lascelles is the captain of Newcastle, so he's nailed. He's been out with injury before this. That's why he's so low-owned. Uh, 4.2. No harm. I think you can have that punt, you know, and what is the worst that could happen? You know, you can just bench him for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't like that shot. And he plays Burnley in 31. Although Burnley have become, you know, Barcelona in the last week or so. <laughs> I still think decent chance of a clean sheet there. You don't like my Dubravka pick? I really don't. I mean, I, I, cannot, <laughs> I cannot begin to tell you. First of all, there's a lot of things I don't like. First of all, Dubravka wasn't playing for, you know, quite a few weeks. He's come back in as Bruce tries to keep on to his job. Uh, Dalo, who I think is the better keeper, was left out. Yeah, but since Dubravka has come in, they've been doing somewhat decent. I, I feel that's a lot. It's just coincidental, right? And I wouldn't, you know, if the team sheet comes out this week and suddenly Dalo's starting, I wouldn't be so surprised. So that's yeah, the, why I don't like that risk. And That's true. Yeah, I mean, unless you've got another keeper, it just feels like that's a... Especially on a free hit, even, I still don't think... I think the better keeper... I would think Sanchez is the better keeper. Don't you? I don't know. I don't really think so because what I want from keeper this week is the ability to not only keep a clean sheet, right? Of course, that's the first thing we look at, but also to score high in terms of bonus and saves. Sanchez, not really. You know, if you look back this season, Brighton don't concede that many chances for him to save and rack up the save points. Okay, so that's actually a good point. And actually, maybe then your Dubravka shot makes more sense because they'll concede chances and he has to make saves. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. So if they were to keep a clean sheet, he would definitely, you know, score big. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, oh my God, we've spent all this time talking about these three fixtures and we haven't got to Villa and Spurs yet. So let's get on to it, right? So we've got a question from Jen here. Captaining Lingard or a Spurs player, which would be a better shout if, you know, Kane, Bale, Son, if they're fit? Now, Kane seems to be the overwhelming captaincy favourite. I've looked at all the polls today and everybody says that, why are you even thinking about captaining anyone else? I don't think it's that simple, but let's just go through it, right? So, Kane, Spurs were bad against Arsenal. No, no question about it. They didn't start playing until the red card for Lamela happened. Then they started, you know, okay, we need to do something here. They started playing. Son, we don't know if he's injured or not, though no more when the Europa League fixtures happened this week. Bale looked quite unimpressive. He looked tired and he was subbed off early. Villa have been shaky, right? So they've uh, been conceding over the last few weeks. Matt Cash has returned to the squad. So he should, I would think he will start ahead of El Mohamedi this week, which should help a bit. Don't know if Grealish is back. So all this uncertainty in the air, Sam. How do you feel about Spurs assets and Villa assets going into this week? Who are you looking to target? And do you think the captain comes from this fixture? Okay. Um, let's start with Villa, right? I think if Grealish is not playing, I would not really consider any of their attackers, except for El Ghazi. Purely because he's on pants. So if a dodgy pen comes along, you know, Watkins could fall in the box. And Spurs have been looking quite suspect in the defense, right? Then it's Al Ghazi who scores the pen. And that's like your only chance for a haul, in my opinion. Watkins just... I mean, without Grealish, just the team as a whole are not getting the chances that 
you know, that they need to really score big points. And yep. defense, I personally would not... Of course, anything is possible, right? We don't know which Spurs will turn up. But ignoring the Arsenal game, looking before that, if they can get back to that, then, you know, Villa don't really have a chance of keeping a clean sheet. So, in other words, I'm actually not keen on any Villa player this week. Wow. Yeah. I definitely, on a free hit, will not go Martinez. Because everyone has Martinez, right? I guess if you're trying to play it safe, if you're free hitting, but you're leading the mini league, so you want a shield, then Martinez is okay. But I would just go for someone else. Because I think there's a high chance that uh, Martinez concedes a goal. So go for someone else is a big differential. And if your pick gets a clean sheet, Martinez doesn't, you know, that's an instant, you know, rank boost for you. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't... I have Martinez. He is my keeper. I'm going to keep him simply because I'm not going to make a keeper transfer. But uh, I don't plan to get any Villa assets this week uh, on permanent transfers. There were rumours that they may have a double in 30, but Ben Krellin has confirmed that is almost not... Certainly not going to happen now, and the double is probably going to happen later down the line. So all the more reason not to load up on Villa assets, I think. Uh, this isn't a great fixture. You can't really call it. You wouldn't be surprised to see a 1-1 or a Spurs victory. Spurs, yep. now, let's assume if Sun and Kane are fit, I think no-brainers. You have both because although they weren't great against Arsenal, I don't think Villa are as good a defense, you know, in terms of uh, the number of chances they concede. And I do think, you know, they've been a bit quite fortunate with some of the clean sheets they've been keeping these last few weeks. So I think there's a decent chance for Kane and Sun. Now, if Sun is out, then I am a little less enthusiastic about Kane. I would still have him, but then I wouldn't feel so strongly about his chances to score because no Lamela, no Sun, and I and if Bale looks tired again, it, it does seem a bit harder for Kane to actually do everything by himself. Yeah, as shown in the Arsenal game, you know. Yeah, because think... his chances came from ultimately set pieces. He had the header from a free kick, which was offside, and then he had the free kick, which he took himself. So I yep. do think you're sort of looking at limited avenues for goal scoring. I agree. I agree. I think a lot um, of this fixture hangs on whether Sun is fit or not. Because he's such an integral part to the Spurs attack. I don't know if they will be able to cope well without him. But we'll see. Um, I Hopefully the, the midweek game, the Europa League game will shed some light on it. There are talks that, you know, he may be fit, but they purposely will bench him so that he misses the international fixture. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, that seems like a very... Even Mourinho, I don't think is going to sacrifice uh, a, a Premier League, League fixture. Game. Yeah, that yeah. they really need... They need the points to get top four. Yeah, if anything, so, yeah. he just will start Sun and take him off early and say, oh, he's actually injured now. And, yeah, or just start him and then, you know, just say, oh, sorry, you know, he got injured during the warm-down, so... <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised that, yeah, I, I really can't see uh, if he's fit, he definitely plays. And to be fair to Jose, we make a lot of jokes about how Jose lies all the time, right? But this week he said Kane will play and Kane did play. That's true. Um, an outside shout I just want to put up is Lucas Mora, who has not been talked about because everyone's focused on Kane, Sun and Bill. But Mora had an assist this week. He blanked the previous two weeks, but then he scored a goal in the Two weeks before that, right? So two goals and then he was benched in one game. 
uh, rested, then a blank. But even in that blank, which was the 4-1 against Crystal Palace, he was really integral to the attack. Um, a really big part, unlucky not to have an attacking return. And against Arsenal too, I think he was pretty much, um, I don't know, Lamina scored the wonder goal, but Mora was, to me, the only Spurs attacker actually doing something. So I think Mora is a good shout this week. Even if Sun doesn't play, because, I don't know, Mora just seems like he's in really good form right now. So he can make things happen. So I really like Mora, actually. For me, my issue with Mora, I think free hit is fine. I think if you're getting him in on a permanent transfer, it's a little tricky because the returns are there. So I'm just looking back, right? 6 in 23, 8 in 25, 8 in 26, 5 this week. But then the occasional benching, 23 minutes against Fulham. It is a little tricky, I think, for a permanent transfer. But if Sun is out, then you'd expect Mora to play. Definitely, if Sun is out this week, Mora's starting uh, because uh, Lamela is also out, you would assume. Yep. So Mora gets Villa. Then game week 30 is Newcastle. So as a sort of two-week move, I don't think it's the worst idea. Yep. So... I actually really like Mora. Probably will have him in my free hit team. Okay. And there is a possibility that Spurs may double in 32 because of an extra fixture that they have to play. They will blank in 33 though. So just sort of try and take all that into account when you make your transfers. Now, very quickly before we move on to captaincy, we have spent quite a bit of time on these fixtures, but let's step away from Gary 29 for a bit. Let's talk about Man City because we have a few questions here from FPL Meher asking if Man City players are worth the sell now because they have two blanks in the next five. They don't play this week. They will not play in Gaming 33 because of the League Cup final. We have Carrick FPL Low asking us, would you drop a City asset this week like Stones, Diaz, or Cancelo? Now, FPL Meher points out that Pep has talked about rotation and Pep has said, I'm going to use every single member I have, you know, of the squad who's fit. They have everybody back fit. He yeah. did do that this week. We saw... I think Kundo. he said something like... Uh... Everyone is fit now, so which is great because I can rotate six players every game or something like that. <laughs> which is really scary as an FPL manager to hear. Yeah, and everybody who kept saying KDB is safe, he will never rotate KDB, rotated this week. Gundo drop, Mares drop. And I think we've got to start getting used to this. We're going to see. I think if you had Stones or Cancelo this week, you got a little... Okay, both of us owned one each. I would say we got lucky that, first of all, Diaz and Stones play together. They are always a better defensive unit when those two play together. And so coming to the question, right, because Mendy came back into the squad this week, and I think there is grounds to move away from City. I don't plan to have City assets uh, beyond this week for a while. Because first of all, you've got the blank in 33. And that is going to be an issue when it comes to it. They have the blank this week. If you look at their fixtures, right, they're playing a game basically... All the fixtures are, you know, one after the other. They're playing midweek fixtures every week, all the way leading up into April, end of April, assuming they stay in Europe and they stay in the FA Cup. And my issue with it is if there's constant rotation, especially amongst the defense, they are going to concede goals. They've only had one clean sheet in the last six, which was against Fulham this week. So I think with the constant rotation, with Garcia coming in, RK coming in, Garcia is on his way out, man. I really... Okay. <laughs> Garcia yeah. was subbed on this week. So I don't I think you can underestimate Pep when he talks about rotation. Uh, it's very nice for us to think that Diaz will never be dropped because Diaz hasn't been dropped. But if you're Pep Guardiola and you have, you know, Man City versus... I don't know. Let's pick a team, right? Let's say Man City versus Leeds. 
and then you have three days later a Champions League quarterfinal against Bayern Munich. Pep Guardiola hasn't won the the Champions League in ten years. He is not going to risk his best players in a Premier League fixture when the title is almost wrapped up. So expect rotation. Do not be surprised by it. Now, if you've got a great bench, you want to have, keep all these players, you know, by all means. But I think there's a decent argument to sell now. I think this week's returns were great. Don't get attached to them. Yeah, I agree. Um, but hear me out, right? If I had Cancelo, I would sell, which I did. Because when he doesn't, or when he's benched, he, there is a really high chance that he will come on. Or there is a chance that he'll come on in the last 10 minutes or so, come in with one point, which you don't want. Two, that City has not been keeping a lot of clean sheets. So, you know, even when he does play, it's not necessarily guaranteed clean anymore. So Cancelo's a sell to me. But Stones, I would still keep. And here's why. So Stones, he, the first time he was benched recently is in Game Week 21. Right? When he's benched, he doesn't come in. 21, 0 points. 24, benched again, 0 points. 26, benched again, 0 points. 27, benched again, 0 points. Alright? So you don't have that risk of him coming on for a one-pointer. As long as you have a good bench, you can cover that when he doesn't play. But when he does play, City keeps clean sheets. It's really weird, right? Because last season, no one would say this, but Stones is their best defender right now. So when he doesn't play, because you mentioned they are not keeping clean sheets, all the times they did not keep a clean sheet are the games where he's rested. Take a look back. Okay, last week, game week 28, he plays clean sheet. 27, he didn't play. 5-2 to Southampton. Now, 20, and then United, okay, that one game is, is different, right? It's United, you know, best team in the world, so can't <laughs> keep a clean sheet against them. Before that, against Wolves, they considered a goal. Then he plays against West Ham where he scores a goal. Okay, he didn't keep a clean sheet in that one. But before that, against Arsenal, clean sheet. Just look back. Pretty much every time he plays, they keep a clean sheet. I would argue slight coincidences, but I would agree with you. The defense looks better with Stones and Diaz. I mean, that's, for me, it's that combo as well. Although yeah. Stones and Laporte played against Spurs in game week 24, and they kept a clean. So, Yeah. So my point is that when Stones play, he's worth having. So therefore, keep him when he's benched, have a, a decent bench player to come in in his place. Um, Cancelo, on the other hand, is not in the same way. Because when he does play, not necessarily he's worth having because they are still conceding goals. And his attacking returns are few and far between, despite the underlying stats. Okay, I think those are fair points. Although... I think it, a lot of this really depends on you having a strong bench. You know, I thought I had a decent bench this week. Okay, maybe having Brighton defenders doesn't count as a strong bench. You may want to have a better def bench than I do. So think very hard. I see a lot of people talking about Alonso this week. And I've been championing Alonso uh, on previous episodes. But when you get these players who have a very high risk of rotation, you can get, you know, the high highs are really good, right? But when, you know, they get benched and you don't have a good asset to come off, it can really stink. Yeah. So, like I said, if you have a good bench, I would keep stones for the reasons <laughs> mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I just, uh, before we get to captaincy, uh, last question here from Cyrus. Cyrus has been a very long-term listener of the pod, supported us basically from day one. And he asked about City double defense, but he also asked about what to do about Salah, Sun, and everybody who's injured. Now, I think for Sun and everyone who's injured, you know, wait for presses. We'll see how it happens. But for Salah, Sam... Okay, so, <laughs> why, um, why do people even still ask us this okay so, I mean 
do you know people still own Salah, right? And I even today morning I still see uh I will be keeping Salah because I see this from people, right? Because I've got other fires to put out and he's not the worst and the fixtures are good. Uh he ignoring the fact that he blanked in all these good fixtures the first time around. It's 12 blanks in 15. And for me, it's very simple now. You should sell Salah. I really think you do. Not so much because the fixtures are bad. I get it. Liverpool have great fixtures to end the season, right? But you have Diogo Jota, half the price. He is going to play because clearly he improves Liverpool as an attack. He scored this week. And if you're comparing Salah to Bruno Fernandes, there is no United midfielder at 6.6 who can do what Bruno Fernandes is doing. Uh, Rashford, as we know, we've all tried this. It doesn't really work. Rashford doesn't really cover Bruno. But Jota, half the price of Salah, I think he can return close to what Salah is offering, probably even more. So if you're looking at a Liverpool attacker, for me, it's Jota, not Salah, definitely. Oh, I, I know what this is. I It's sunk cost fallacy. That's what it is. <laughs> right? Because they feel that if I've kept Salah this long, I've went through this one, the fixtures are turning, I might as well keep him. Because I've already, you know, went through this many weeks with him. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Right? Kind of? Some cause fallacy? Kind of. I I, keep re- I read something today that someone said, I'm keeping him because, you know, if everyone's selling, he's basically a differential. And I thought, yeah, but that's not good. Everyone's selling because he's bad. Yeah. So I, 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 I understand how people feel, right? They want to sell him because they're like, oh, you know, his form is so bad. But then they see the fixtures. He got a good fixture coming out. Okay, maybe I'll keep him this week. Maybe I'll keep him one more week. In my opinion, this is the week to sell. This is the, the week where you can finally do it without any fixture, good fixture, so-called, in your mind. Forget about what's coming in 30 onwards. And if he does well, you can always bring him back in. It's not like once you sell, he's out of your team for the rest of the season and you're locked out of him forever. The FPL gods have given you a blank in 29 for Salah. This is your last chance. Take it, you know, because in Game Week 30, he plays Arsenal, the great, second greatest team in the world, right? After, I don't know. Actually, no, we're the greatest team. And then he plays, <laughs> plays Villa in, in North London, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yes, the best, you know, London, North London is red. I, I mean, I really don't think you are going to get a better chance. I, if you want to keep Salah, by all means, do it. And uh, good luck to you. But please don't yeah. complain when he blanks again. This is the only week where we can confidently say sell Salah because it won't backfire. He's <laughs> not going to score a hat-trick and everyone's going to tweet Siva. Yeah, it hasn't happened for the last few weeks, man. I've been sleeping very peacefully. Yeah, okay. so by overwhelming majority, we recommend you to sell Salah. As we did last week and the week before that and the weeks, many weeks before that. Okay, let's move on. Captain C, finally. This has been a long pod, Sam, for only four fixtures, but... Yeah, surprising. Yeah, I guess we've just... We've both tried to put a lot of effort in this week. More effort than we, you know, normally do. You, uh, I'm going to post later, but listeners, Sam has a chart of all the best players for game week 29 which I'm very impressed by. You'll see that later. Captain C yeah, options. Normally, I don't, do, I don't do anything for this part. I just come on and say stuff. Siva does all the work. So, <laughs> Yes, and Sam is 20 points ahead of me. So that tells you uh, all you need to know. Sam is the casual on this part, you know. That's true. That's true. Captaincy options. Nano Africa asking us, captaincy options for this game week. All right, so four fixtures, Sam. Captaincy options. Kane is the overwhelming favorite in all the polls. I Understandably making... so, right? I mean, um, on paper, without overthinking and stuff, you know. He's like the that only word. premium asset who is actually playing. And yet a premium asset who is still informed despite what happened against Arsenal. 
I don't like this because it's very easy to say, okay, premium asset, so don't overthink, just captain him, right? But I'm sure that argument has been made many times this season about many players, you know? I'm sure it was made for Bruno against Sheffield United. I'm sure it was made for Salah against Brighton. And um, yeah. there are many more examples. So it's, It seems like this year, the way to do well is to never captain the number one captaincy option. The so-called overwhelming favourite. Yeah, it seems like the second option is always the best if you just go back over the last few weeks. My, my feeling on uh, captaincy this week is, and throughout the season, forget about the price. Okay, Just don't think about the price of these players. Just think about the fixture and that asset. Now, Villa against Spurs, I think, you know, it's it's a, not an easy fixture to call. And uh, if Grealish is back, actually, I would have less confidence in Spurs and if Sun is out. So two things need to happen here. Because when Grealish is back, it actually helps the Villa defense because he attracts so much attention from the opposing team. They have to focus on keeping him quiet. So he helps the defense. He also drags the ball away from goal. He's dribbling. So that really helps Villa. So if Grealish is back, I feel less confident about Captain Kane. And last week I talked about Harvards. And yes, Harvards blanked, but he had a lot of chances. I think anyone who saw the game won't blame me for captaining Harvards. And this week, I feel if you are chasing and you are trying to make up ground, I do think... I'm going to say it again. I think Rafinha against Fulham is a good shot. He's on set pieces. He's the most attacking asset in that Leeds team. I think he's kind of due a haul. He's been unlucky to blank these last few weeks. Beyond Rafinha, I don't see a lot of uh, options that I feel confident about captaining. I think West Ham Arsenal could be quite tight. I don't see any Brighton attackers that I would consider. And uh, definitely... we captain yeah. Dunk. <laughs> it's not the worst shout, right? But it's... It's one of those that it's got so much risk. I don't know. Maybe it's a mindset thing. I really need to think about captaining defenders this season. So many clean sheets, but I just, I don't know about Dunk. I mean, that is an option, I suppose. After Rafinha, maybe Dunk would be the next option. For me, I guess um, Kane is still number one to me. Just, um, I know you say don't look at price, but even if you ignore price, he still has been in good form. And he is explosive high ceiling, which is what you want. So I still think Kane is the best option, although the fact that he's the number one pick kind of puts me off a bit. <laughs> it does, right? Second, I think if Oba plays, Oba is a great pick to have. If he plays. I, I don't know. You know. I think that was some fixtures harder than we're giving a credit. Yeah, but I'm not saying Arsenal will win. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, I think there's a decent chance that Alva will score, at least. Okay, uh, fair enough. And outside um, shout, I kind of like Lingard as a captaincy option. Ooh, a lot of people have asked about Lingard captain. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that bad an option. You know, he's in form. He scores. He's nailed to play. Good underlying stats too. So, and hall potential, right? Um... Game week 22, 2 goals, 15 points. Game week 25, a goal, but maximum bonus, so that's 10 points. So the chance is there. But it sounds I, like... I, I like him as an outside shot. Yeah. I am leading towards game. We'll review again. Um, a lot will depend on whether Sun plays or not. Because to me, he is a piece of the Spurs attacking puzzle that cannot be replaced. And you're not considering Garrett Bale? No, not at all. Why would you captain a player who is only going to play 60 minutes? Like, guaranteed you know for a fact that he's only going to play 60 minutes. 
That's a very good point because we had a question here from FPL Osama asking us about captaincy options and he said Kane, Bale, Oba and I think that's a very good point. Bale has been coming off on 60 consistently. Yeah. He just doesn't have the fitness. And actually, I think his interplay with Sun, um, not necessarily directly because they play on opposite ends, you know, but just the, the space created for each other, the the runs that they're making, you know. Um, I think without Sun, Bill stands to suffer the most. Yeah, I, I can agree with that because somebody's got to make the runs and Kane's not the most mobile. Bale is not the most mobile. So yeah. then you're looking at Mora. Fair enough. I think I'm leaning towards Rafinha, but you know, we'll confirm on Friday. But for me, I think, for me, I'm chasing and I kind of want to go a bit against... I have Kane in my team, so I don't think I can be hurt too much by Kane hauling. I don't think he will haul big this week. So for me, I, I'm leaning towards Rafinha. Also midfielder, and I was like uh, trying to get a midfielder because they get more points for goals, more points for clean sheet. Yeah, agreed. Uh, lastly, mini league. So the mini league code zero five TM twelve, all small letters. And uh, currently, FPL Mariner he is jointly leading with Jasper Olsen one nine one three overall points. Both of these guys top three k in the world, amazing. Nigel Lim just behind them with one eight nine seven. Jason Hennigan one eight nine five. Adrian FPL one eight eight seven. Two standouts of the week. I want to just shout out very quickly. Izul Fitri who had sixty six points after hits. Unfortunately, he bench boosted a really good bench boost on paper, right? It's not a, a cheating bench boost in that sense because his full team played. He had De Bruyne, Kane, Mount, and unfortunately all blanked. But 66, great score for the week. He had Ilan Meslier, 11 points. A, you know, great mm. call. And he also had John Stones. And the other guy I want to shout out, Melvin Tromo, who is having a great season, top 40k in the world, 64 points this week, no chips. Our highest score in our mini league with no chips. And right. Double Stones, Stones Cancelo. Stones, and Shaw. Cancelo, Shaw, Rudiger, Dean. So Dean is the only one of blanks. Effectively, a 5-2-3. Big at the back, Sam. And I think yeah. that's something that's going to become very popular towards the end of the season. I think it's a fair shot. You know? um, that's for another part. <laughs> I'm not going to go into a, should we go into a back five now. Yeah, it, but it is something to think about. If you bring in players this week and you're worried, oh, I'm bringing in defenders... I think big at the back, got to make sense going forward. You're going to see more clean sheets because all our players are tired. You know, if this were FIFA, they're all running on 50% energy and you're going to see more clean sheets. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll discuss this next week maybe. All right, so we won't have a pot uh, immediately next week because it's international break, but we'll be back before Game Week 30. So in the meantime, good luck. Green arrows to everyone. Oh, this is big.